0: Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. A huge engine failure, it appears, for Erica. The smoke funneling out of the back of the car. Stanfield drives by. On this episode, we're talking about the things we need to see in 2023 with Tony Pedragon and Kevin McKenna. And it's Tripp Tatum for the first time in his career. 370 flat, 330 miles an hour. Predictions, hot takes, and more as we look ahead to the season that will be. Bobby Bodies 074, and he blows the body off the car. Going through the finish line stripe, Bobby maintains control of the automobile. This is the NHRA Insider. Number 16 is going to take out number one. He left by a day and a half. Both Manson Heinz bikes are out, and it is Crazy Town and Pro Stock Motorcycle. Hey, everybody, it is Brian Loans back with the NHRA Insider for the 2023 season. We officially kick things off of this next season of the NHRA Insider Podcast uh, as we have an episode that we're going to be calling the five things we need to see or the things we need to see in 2023. I have Tony Pedregon and Kevin McKenna. You'll be hearing from them in just a couple of minutes as we get the table set for what promises to be a great year of drag racing here in 23 with some new faces, new names, and even some folks popping up in different places. We're going to talk about some rumors, make some predictions, and kind of give an overall look at the landscape of the things that we need to see happen in NHRA drag racing in 2023. As I make this show, we begin the year on a fairly somber note in the world of motorsports. The word uh, just coming yesterday, the day before I'm making this episode, uh, which is January 3rd of 2023, that Ken Block had passed away in a snowmobiling accident. Block, of course, an international superstar of motorsports, a rally racer, a guy who, of course, made the incredibly popular series of Gymkhana videos that Absolutely put his ability to control an automobile on full display in front of the world and a guy who has inspired many, many, many people to get involved in motorsports at any level, whether a spectator, a fan or a racer, Uh, not a drag racer per se. We did actually see him out at the NHRA last year. He came. I believe it was the Charlotte race. He came and hung out. Uh, of course, his daughter famously raced Alex Laughlin on the, um, the, the Hoonigan show that they had put up where people would race the Hoonicorn and other vehicles um, uh, in a kind of match race format. Alex brought his, his outlaw Corvette out there to, to race them. And so uh, that is a sad thing to report. He's a guy that I actually had an opportunity to, to do a ride-along with. In 2015, I rode a passenger in a rally car with Ken Block, and it will forever be probably the most stupendously awesome, scary, and intimidating moment um, I've had in an automobile uh, in my entire life. We were in a, at a rally school um, up in the Maine, New Hampshire area. Uh, He was in the car that he, when he was sponsored by Ford at the time, his full-on, you know, pro-level Ford rally car, and we did about 140 miles an hour through the woods. It was beyond description. He was cool as a cucumber the whole time, and I've had a limited number of opportunities to spend some time with Ken over the course of years, and just always been a, just always been a neat and engaged individual. The other passing to note is that of Bob Gertis of Circus Custom Paint. For those of you that are fans of drag racing history, um, Circus Custom Paint was like the preeminent place on the East Coast to get a funny car painted in the 1970s. He painted all of Jungle Jim stuff, and many of the iconic cars that you remember from the 1970s were painted by Bob Gertis and his crew at Circus Custom Paint. So a couple of notable passings, if you will, in the drag racing and motorsports world. But we're not trying to start this show on a down note, but those are two major events, I believe, that uh, are cogent to our listening audience out there and certainly stuff that um, likely if uh, if you're a gearhead or a racer of any stripe, you've had uh, that information maybe on the back or forefront of your mind over the last couple of days in this potential week. It is going to be... Uh, An exciting season in 23, and it's really going to be an exciting January, and uh, we're going to touch on this, I'm sure, over the course of our conversation here, but it has been a bit of a lull, as we expected in the news cycle, um, but that means that there's a lot of pent-up news to come, and uh, we're going to intimate some of that here with Tony and Kevin in just a couple of minutes. I hope everybody's had a uh, successful uh, holiday break if you had such a thing um, it's always nice to be able to, to take a deep breath and charge the batteries no matter what you do for a living. Uh, well, back when I was a truck driver I used to like having a, a couple of days off around Christmas just to kind of get my head back on my shoulders and back when I was doing other stuff before I uh, ran off and joined the professional drag racing circus full-time uh, it was uh, a welcome time to just kind of to just kind of take a little bit of a breath and, and kind of get things sorted out. In this motorsports world, of course, uh, when we have this period of time, it is a time of uh, regrouping. It is a time of strategizing, and it's a time when, as I make this show, the teams are all now back to work, and uh, they are doing their preparations, breaking in new crew members, and getting their stuff right for a testing season that promises to kick off for many people in mid to late January, and likely for the most, uh, in February, or for the rest, rather, I would say in February, some teams are already planning multiple testing sessions. And we're going to pick the brains of uh, of Kevin McKenna and Tony Pedregon about what they've been hearing on that front in a few minutes. So that's really it. There is no uh, breaking news on this one 3 to give you. Uh, but what I can give you is Kevin McKenna and Tony Pedregon. So let's do that now. All right, it is officially 2023 now. So we can stop looking back, we got to start looking forward. I got Kevin McKenna with me, I got Tony Pedragon with me, and we're going to be talking about the five things that each of us want to see and need to see in 2023. Tony Pedragon, how was your Christmas break?
1: Good. It went by quick just as we all expected. And uh, you know, this officially to me isn't the start of racing season. PRI is it's it's really not the end. That to me that's where that's where the wheels start turning. So, uh, here we are.
0: Kevin, speaking of wheels turning, uh, uh is there any motion in the Greater brownsburg area today are people finally going back to the shop or what?
2: Uh, yeah, I, I think today is officially the day most crews um go back. Uh you know, I, I hear little bits, you know, no, no major news, but um you know, I know some teams are getting ready to test later this month. Uh you know, toward the end of the month, so you're probably only looking at uh, Maybe three weeks or so before we start burning some nitro
0: before we get into our topics Tony what have you heard on that testing front anything
1: you know I think that uh, it's interesting that a lot of teams uh, they're going different directions uh, some of them are heading west they're gonna go to Vegas um, you know I don't know if Phoenix is gonna be available it's gonna be open uh, a lot of them of course you're gonna go down to uh, Gainesville they're gonna do some testing in Florida and I'm sure a couple of tracks might be available in Florida so It seems like there's some different agendas for you know a lot of the teams and i know some really want to get a jump on testing some of them i mean they're looking at the volume of runs and you know when you talk about 20 to 30 runs hits down the racetrack and it's i i see dollar signs going out the window but that is the that that's the, the levity of of uh, the magnitude of how serious some of these teams have gotten in making a run for a championship.
0: So let's you, you know I don't I don't, go for I don't it, rant
2: on here, I don't rant on here very often. I usually leave that to Tony. But <laughs> Bring it. S- someone someone would have to explain to me why for years the teams beg plead with NHRA to change the schedule to make it more logistically friendly. They finally do that so that they you don't have two West Coast trips. And then you have teams based in Brownsburg that want to go all the way to Las Vegas or Phoenix to test when you are offering probably three sessions in Florida that would probably be half the cost of going out west. Explain that to me.
0: No, I can't. <laughs> That's a it'll, never, Kevin,
1: it'll it'll never make sense because and this is why I always say that you have to ask the right people the right questions. And when it and and I think the, the, the decision makers as it relates to testing, are always the crew chiefs. They want as many runs as they can. Their concern isn't necessarily the budget. They know what they have to work within, but you know, if, if they can tell the owner that I want to make 50 runs, uh, for starters, the owner's uh, eyeballs are going to fall out of his head. And when he puts <laughs> them back in, he's going to say, well, but most of the time they're going to give in to, that amount of runs and you know that is a luxury for a crew chief. So if you have an owner that you know that caves in to those requests, then hey, more power to you. But that's where it starts. It starts with the tuners, the crew chiefs. And, you know, of course there's there's a method to their madness. You know, a lot of them have some rollover. They have some new crew members. They have some new combinations. Uh, you know, new parts, but with the restrictions today, the rules that NHRA has placed on these cars, it's becoming more difficult, more of a challenge to to find these, uh, you know, find a few horsepower here and there. When you're talking about a nitro car, you you are talking, you know, typically fifty, a hundred. If you if you're talking about engine RPM, something that 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 makes more power, you know, that's that's horsepower, engine RPM. It all kind of falls in the same category, but it is not easy to do. But I think there's a a, a few different reasons that they want to hit the track and make. A good amount of runs
0: So I want to dive into some topics here And the first one, the first thing I need to see In 2023, I don't want to see it I need to see it I need to see the Coletta team to be competitive again I need it. I mean, they're a huge factor in, in what we do out here. They have some of the most high-profile drivers. Uh, of course, we know they have some of the most high-profile crew chiefs as well. And so, for the health of stuff, we need those guys to be competitive. And I also need it to happen because I think 2023 is going to be actually more difficult than Top Fuel than 22. Agree or disagree? We need we need those guys to be competitive.
1: If Doug Coletta doesn't win a race, I will not shave. I will wear, Brian, the shirt of your choice on the show.
0: I'm writing this if down.
1: Doug does not win a race in top fuel. Uh, Tony, what, what size New England Patriots jersey do you wear? <laughs> Make it a large. Make it a large. But, you know, they, they do. They have the talent. I think that, you know, Doug, Doug has, he has everything. He has all the requirements. All the traits, the experience, he's, he's just one of those drivers. We always talk about it. He has it all. And, you know, Alan Johnson, th- there's, you know, there's other than them getting into the winner's circle, they made improvements. You know, and I've, I've always, I think, Brian, I, I said this throughout the show, you know, their biggest problem is the competition. And when you break it down, you can look, you can count on the top eight cars being, contending for a championship being in the hunt. And that doesn't include Schumacher. That doesn't include Doug. And that doesn't include Leah. And and all of those those three drivers that did not fall in the top eight, they all have something going for them. They always they all have something to look forward to. So I think the field is going to be stacked. It's hard to imagine that it's going to be as good or even better than it was in twenty two, but I think it's going to be better. And I think I think that Doug is going to be one of the guys
2: how many times that's the question, but he will be in the winner, sir.
0: Kevin,
2: you you know, I I tend to agree. And and, and my comment about the new England Patriots Jersey was not to imply that Doug wouldn't win a race. Um, I I think, you know, I mean, you, you mentioned those cars being more competitive. They are competitive. You know, they both go 360s fairly regularly. They just didn't have the results that we expected. Um, you know, I mean, I really think that that program is probably not as far off base as, as it would look. Um, yeah, I mean, a little more consistency, I, I think, would go a long way. And as Tony mentioned, the, the competition is tough. It's only going to get tougher um, as you see more teams come in, better funded teams. But, uh, you know, th- this is a team that, that wants for nothing as far as resources. Uh, th- th- they'll figure it out. They, I mean, we're all shocked they didn't figure it out last year. But, you know, give give them this offseason. Um, I, I know that they're probably or they are addressing some of their personnel issues. There's absolutely no reason to think that they won't be at least fighting for spots in the top five this year.
0: Yeah, and look, I, I think they're a key component to my theorem that uh, the, the top field is going to be harder in 23 only because when we see a team like them come back into the form we expect them to be, all of a sudden that mixes things up. When we see a uh, what I think would be a, a more seasoned Schumacher team uh, being kind of back where we think they should be, when we see Leah's team, which did win a race in Denver but kind of matured their way through a season, comes back intact for 23, You know, these are all major factors into the difficulty level. I think rising for for pretty much everybody. The second thing I need to see in 2023 is somebody breaking up the 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 threes company of fi- funny car racing. OK, like I got to see somebody else. I got to see somebody else force their way into the apartment with, you know, Jack Tripper and the two other people we got there between caps and Hagen and and height. And I don't know. Is it Pet- is it rather is it Cruz, Tony? Is it Cruz after that that performance we saw in Pomona?
1: It has to be. And it, it's only Cruz. I mean, the question in Funny Car is going to be, you know, the big three are going to be there. The question is, is Tasco. I mean, you can plug Cruz in right now because of his experience. He's hes a multiple time champion, but mostly what they did at the finals. The, 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 the performance that they had, uh, there's no question that they'll probably roll out at Gainesville and pick up right where they left off but the, and it's not just the car's performance you, you know I, one of the things that you know I, I get critical about the driver's performance because you know of course these drivers they want to play big time race car driver and they shouldn't get offended when Brian you and i and, and all everyone on the tv production side when they do their job and our job is to explain to the viewer what is happening and unfortunately we don't have a driver ranking any longer because I think a lot of drivers and maybe teams complained that (laughs) they didn't want to seen, you know, it's like every sport has a ranking. There's a team ranking. There's a Q, a Q, a quarterback rating. Uh, But for some reason, our, our, you know, our, our competitors just didn't like it. So we no longer have a team ranking when, when a car rolls up to the starting line, we cannot tell the viewer, we cannot put a number on this guy on a scale of, of one to ten or one to a hundred that that this that this ranking is a, is an eighty eight, which is is among the best in the class. We can't do that. Um, however, the, the the question is is I I kind of got off track. So where I was going with that is I look at the driver's performance and what Cruz did. That car not not only performed right, but you know a lot of races. You know Cruz got beat on a couple of hole shots. Uh, you know, he had some issues. Is he going to deep stage? he going to shallow stage? I mean, we can see it. We can see how the car rolls in, and sometimes he would roll it in, sometimes he would shallow stage. And I think he got to the point to where he got past how he was going to stage a car. That's just a metal block. That's something that most drivers go through at some point. But Cruz was in sync with the car, and I've always said this. You have to be in sync with the car. We've seen drivers that – were not that good, and the car was great, and they got sent packing. We've seen drivers that are slicing and dicing, but that doesn't do you any good when the car's not underneath you. But what Cruz did was he rose to the occasion. His performance corresponded with the car's performance, and they won the race. And he went toe-to-toe with Pass, with force, you name it. Whoever they put in front of them, they dispatched. So I see that that Cruz is going to be, once again, capable – of being able to compete with those big three, the question is, of course, Tasca, With the changes that they've made, personally, I see them being competitive. The question is, is how competitive? How many races can they win? And will they be able to? Will they be able to perform when it counts the most? And I think by the end of the year, they'll be better than what we're going to see to start. But I don't think there's any reason that that car's performance will fall off much. Maybe some of the consistency, because Def had that car very consistent, especially in the middle part um, of the summer, the the Western swing. Um, But how nice would it be? I agree with you. How nice would it be to see five that are in contention going down to the wire?
0: Kevin?
2: Yeah, I mean, totally agreed with those points. But uh, let's not overlook J.R. Todd. Uh, as we just talked about with the Kalida team, they are due for, for a massive improvement. I think that they have addressed a lot of their issues. And you're also talking about JR, you know, another former world champ that, that brings to the table all the talents in the world. There's no reason why that car shouldn't be a threat to the three that dominated last year.
0: Yeah, I agree, and and listen, uh, you know, for what it's worth, and all the funny car guys break out in hives when I bring this up, but you know, Jr. did have the best average reaction time to class last year. You know, so that there is, you know, there is definitely a, a solid anchor point there for that team, and they know that. Obviously, they worked hard all year, just didn't turn around for them for reasons that, uh, as you're talking about, Kevin, they they work over the winter time to repair. Um, but yeah, I I think you're right. I think that I think the J.R. Todd car um, we did not we did not see quite the the numbers out of that thing that we saw out of Cruz's car when they finally got their got their act together late in the season. But yeah, that car is certainly championship capable and and has been in the past. Um, Pro Stock bike. I want to stay with you, Kevin, on this one. What I need to see in Pro Stock bike in 2023, which may be the most outlandish thing I'll ever say on this show ever. I need Steve Johnson to be competitive again. I need it because it brings a great flavor when he's actually able to go in there and throw some jabs at people and do something because, let's be honest, he is to a degree, and and sometimes it's unintentional, but he does have a bit of abrasiveness to him that makes the class more interesting when he is running in the front. Oh, I don't think he needs to be fast in order to be abrasive.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We've seen seen that. you know, Steve's an, an interesting character. Uh, I, I don't know any other way to put it. Um, you know, you, you certainly admire his heart, the fact he's been out here as long as anyone and and is still able to be competitive. I, I just don't know uh, what he can do to be competitive for the entire season. You know, that, that, that bike is notorious for, you know, it comes and goes. You have some good races, you have some not-so-good races. And, you know... I, when you look at things, you know, varying the the different tracks, the different weather conditions, he just doesn't seem to be able to adapt as well as some of the other teams. Um, You know, as long as we're sticking with pro stock bike, what I need to see is a better effort from the Vance and Hines team. Um, Yeah. Most notably Eddie Craywick and, you know, their new soon to be announced new rider. Um, You know, they need to have a better year than they had last year. They need to be able to challenge Matt Smith, and joey gladstone for the championship and that's what will make that class far more interesting next year
0: in your opinion kevin the new rider that's going to be announced when that rider comes in is this a person who obviously will have talent and will have ability but is this a person that comes in with a stack of kind of house money in front of him because or her because how can it get worse Right? I, I, is this rider in the ultimate position to come out here with a with a, obviously the pressure to win, but way, maybe way less than coming in in another circumstance? Yeah,
2: I mean, anytime you ride for Vance and Hines, there's going to be pressure to win because that, you know, they expect that above all else. Uh, but yeah, there probably is a little bit of a, uh, you get a little bit of a pass maybe on some early mistakes. And I, you know, I my understanding is it's they're probably not going to make the announcement here for another couple of weeks. Um, yeah, but there's a fair amount of speculation as to who it might be. Uh, I, I think that uh, I think both of those bikes will be just fine this year.
0: And Tony, uh, back to Steve Johnson, In, in my mind, I think, okay, the guy went through that just horrendous collapse in 2021. Then he kind of has a strong beginning to 22 wins back to back races and then really falls off the table. So is this the type of guy that can take both of those situations and then turn what are two negative situations into a positive kind of full season in 23? Is he that guy?
1: Yeah, I think so. You know, I, I, yeah, I can say a lot of things about Steve Johnson, but and, and I, I wouldn't typically say this about anyone. I don't think that money is always the answer. I think for Steve Johnson, when you talk about him and what his biggest problems are, and look, everybody has mistakes. Everybody's going to get whole shotted once in a while. The, the key to success is you want to try to minimize those. I think overall, Steve does a good job. I think that that the load that Steve takes to the starting line with him is a little much. Yeah. Um, and you could say the same about uh, Matt Smith. But but things are clicking for Matt. You know, he he has the results, and he might have more of the the depth than Steve Johnson. I just think Steve Johnson is one of those guys that if he could shift his focus on on the financial aspect, because you have to be able to some degree. You you don't need as much as the next guy. You still you're gonna have to outdrive them, outride them. You're gonna have to wake up earlier, stay up later. You're still gonna have to do the intangibles to be able to compete with them. To some degree, you you need you need good parts, you need good equipment. It seems like he's had a good primary engine. When it breaks, you know he can't go to a backup bike. If he goes to a backup engine we can see it. And I think that's Steve Johnson's biggest problem. I think if he can get some help in that area and that's something that he, and only he can do, or somebody that's going to assist him in in promoting, you know, his program. I I think that's the only way you're going to see some improvement from Steve Johnson. And, you know, Hey, there you have it. I think he's, He's good. I think he can compete. I think that is the reason that we see him falter most of the time.
0: One of the things I think, Tony, too, is like, and you and I are both boxing fans. We talk about boxing all the time, but it, it's like if Steve had a good corner man, like Steve Johnson's a guy to me, he needs a good corner man that when he comes back in when things aren't going quite according to plan, the guy can splash some water on his face or give him a slap across the back of the head and take, hey, like, get your act together. I, I think, and in, in, to your point, I think you're right. I think there is a lot going on every time he comes to the starting line with every aspect of that team being on his shoulders and his shoulders alone. But it's like, I'm not saying he needs a crew chief. I'm saying he needs like a corner man, like somebody just to kind of keep him under focus.
1: No, I agree with you 100%. I mean, you look at some of the drivers, uh, you know, Camry Caruso, just, it, it. you know, Alexis, and whether it really helps. You know, psychologically – a rabbit's foot is going to help. So everybody needs something different. But when it comes to banging out rounds and making sure you're going down the right path, you're making the right decisions. I've always said, and I've, I've lived it that two is better than one. Um, you know, anytime that anyone can, can bounce any information off of you to get to where they want. And the worst thing in the world is the yes, man. Yeah. The worst thing in the world is having the wrong people, you surround yourself with that just agree with you and we see it we see the end result i'm not going to mention any names right now because we're not talking about them but we we see cars performance all the time why because they have yes men they don't have they don't have uh, uh, you know free thinkers uh, innovators uh, skeptics that are questioning and pushing the next guy and you know when you you know I'm going shifting again to funny car but you know, that's the one thing that I will be interested to see in uh, and, and the end result of Rod Caps. It's hard to imagine they're they're gonna be better. I mean, Robert was good. I think for caps, they're as good as they get, as good as they come, but the timing was you know, was was better than the others. Uh, because there were times that Height looked like he could have won the championship easily. Hagan went on a nice run. Um so we saw a couple of teams, you know Tasca had a spurt, he couldn't he couldn't maintain it for a few reasons. Um but that's just to, to your point Brian, that is how important that that chemistry uh and the the team effort is when it comes to racing.
0: Tony, how frightened how frightened should everybody else be in funny car about what will surely be a guy that is racing frustrated and angry in Robert Height? I mean the guy to his credit, and I've said this a hundred times in the offseason, I'll say it again, one of the ultimate class acts this sport has ever seen, a guy who could have very, very easily just popped off completely about what happened at the end of the season, could have, could have, and, and maybe rightfully said a lot of stuff, and he didn't say a word. And I saw him come across that stage at the awards, and it was literally the last place on earth he wanted to be, was walking across that stage, introduced as the number two guy. And I feel like he's going to come out, Jimmy Proc's going to come out, and the rest of that team is gonna come out absolutely furious this year and come out in, in a flurry.
1: Well what's so dangerous about that team is and and they they have it all. They have it all like maybe the top five, six car funny car teams that we're talking about. But you know, Robert Robert lives it, you know, and there's there's only a few drivers, there's a handful of drivers that that live it. I mean, this is their life. This is what they've done as a profession full time for, you know, for, for whether it's 10 or 15 or 20 years, like, you know, the case of Robert Height. And, you know, Robert, like so many other drivers, he will carry that pain. He will carry those memories with him. And that makes him, I, I think it makes him a little bit, you know, better. You go back in the history of, of drivers that have lost close championships. You know, Matt Hagan is another one. Ron Caps has taken their lumps. There's so many of them that... Is still on top, and Robert Height is just one of those guys. So I think that you know when you get a second chance, and you know twenty three will be not a second chance, might be a fifth or sixth chance for Robert Height. But you know that's what makes the driver good when he tries to occupy himself with things that kind of fill the void. You know, your family hit for in his case, his daughter and racing with her. Hey, those are the best things he'll ever experience in life. But what he is focused on is not letting what happened in '22 happen again. So he's he's going to be racing with a little bit of a vengeance and and a vendetta. And you know, for a guy that can balance the the you know that has the discipline and the experience, that's been there a few times, um, that can balance the emotion, that that makes him better.
0: Kevin, give me another one. What do you what do you need to see in '23? Well, everything you just said about Robert
2: Height, you could apply to Matt Hagan. That, that, that is a car that could easily have won the championship if things had gone just a little differently during the countdown. Much like height, they also don't lack the resources. They have a team that stays together year after year. So I would think that, that Hagen and his team probably had a, a lot of those same emotions watching Caps win another championship. And, uh, you know, as far as coming out and being out for blood, I would, uh, I, I would put them in exactly the same category. Um, but now, if you that's transition to something more. No, unique, go for you, it. Asked, you know, you asked me about what would you like to see. Um, I think it's about high time that Mason Magee or one of the Quadra brothers won a national event. Yes, they, they, they all, all three of them seem overdue. Uh, you, you could, you could potentially lump uh, Camry Caruso into that group. She, she doesn't have the experience they do, but with KB Power. Uh, you know, there's probably less of an excuse there not to do it. So let's look for a couple new pro stock winners this season.
0: And look, I think the added the added value on that is, one, I want to see the McGahays back in the competitive form that we were kind of used to seeing them in for a couple of seasons. And the second half of that is there is no love, not an ounce or droplet of love lost between the elite team and the McGahay team. And it's like any good kind of uh, rivalry, blood feud, whatever you want to call it, it really only gets fun when both teams are, are on the level, and that's any sport we're talking about here. So when the McGahays, and I hope that is this year, are back in a form where they can qualify top half and they can throw down, and we know Mason can saw the tree over, um, That's that that can cause uh, some fun kind of stew to be made in the pro stock category. And, you know, Tony, I know you have a lot of respect for, for Chris and the McGahay family because of what they do and how they do it. But, yeah, we need to see them back where they where they rightfully belong.
1: Yeah. And I think it's always interesting. I mean, we, we know what elites doing, they're just going to get better. They're going to get stronger. We know that some changes have gone down with, uh, with Greg Anderson, as he heads up and, and, and merges and partners with, you know, with uh, quite frankly, frankly, a, a powerhouse. Right. So, so they're going to get better and you know, then there's, there's McGay and, you know, it seems like he has the resources. So, you know, I hope that there's some improvements in power and at some point, You know, if he can't do it on his own, a guy like Chris, you know, has to consider bringing in some outside help. I mean, that's what elite has done. That is what KB did for so many years. And that's the game is you hire the talent. Uh, if you have the resources, if you have the ability, and if you want to go quick and you want to compete with these guys, then who can you bring into this program that can help you? Because it's awful hard for, you know, an individual that runs a business, um, you know, that, that hits all of the races and that wants to be competitive because at some point you have to ask yourself, well, this isn't as fun as it used to be. Chris McGehee has been in the winner's circle. He has a young driver that has talent that has the capability of winning races. So they just lack, they have the same problem that a lot of teams in pro stock have. They they're missing about three to five hundredths of a second, but that's a very important three to five hundredths of a second.
0: Next thing I got to see in 2023, and I'm staying with you, Tony, is other than you and I, I got to see somebody start firing some verbal shots in this sport. Somewhere, somehow, there has to be somebody, a personality bubbling out there that will. And, and and you know honestly, Steve Torrance was great at it when they were winning championships, and and he obviously <laughs> last year, it rightfully pumped the brakes. Like when you know when it, you can't be running your mouth off when it's not going so great. But I kind of want to see him back in 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 that competitive mode that we'd expect him to be because I know he can he can kind of mix it up a little bit. But damn, somebody's got to say something one of these years, right? Yeah,
1: I just read an article
0: this morning, something that Miles Garrett said. The Cleveland Browns—they're
1: not in the playoffs. You know the Steelers have an outside, outside chance. And, you know, he piped in and said, hey, I I hope we win so they don't make it. And, you know, and that just, that creates some level of excitement. And this, Brian, falls in the same category that I am so critical of is, and if the drivers could just be themselves, and you and I, I mean, we, we text, we talk all the time. I go back and I watch old YouTube videos. I mean, how can you not watch Raymond Beadle, Don Prudhomme, Don Garlits, Shirley Muldowney, they all talked some smack. And, you know, one of the things that made Shirley so good, besides she broke down these barriers, but, you know, she talked the talk, but she also backed it up. So, you know, the talking is interesting for a while. You know, we've seen him come and go. We saw one of the most charismatic guys come in Funny Car and Scotty Cannon. The problem was... He got the he got the floor mopped with you know with they mopped the floor with the guy. So you have to you have to be careful what you say, how you say it, and when you say it. But you know, that's one of my wishes. I I hope that we see a little change up. You know, pitchers, they throw different pitches. I just hope that we don't see the same watered down, you know what. You interviewed Perdom at SEMA. That was one of the things that he brought up. Yeah. How the hell many times can you hug someone guys? This business is entertainment and I get it For the racer. It is racing. It's on the track. It's dealing with numbers with personnel. It's trying to figure out how to win races, but guys, we're in the business of entertainment because without TV, and if you're not entertaining and drawing in new viewers, we're racing behind some, some big warehouse and an abandoned airport. So that is the importance of right of being yeah. of just being entertainment, entertaining, being original. By all means, mention your sponsor, but kind of get you, they should get creative. In other words, I'll go back and I know I beat this, and I'm not going to really beat it anymore. But I hope they did their homework. I know the crew chiefs are looking at their numbers and and what they need to improve, how they need to do it. And I'm pretty sure the good ones are sizing up the competition. They're looking at all the stats that we have in front of us, Brian. I looked at all of them this morning. Who was the most consistent? Um, Who had the most successful runs? Who smoked the tires the most? Who had the fastest speeds? You've got to factor all of this in because as technical as the sport has become, all you need to do is watch Moneyball. If you're not doing your homework as a crew chief, as an owner and as a driver, then I probably am not going to look for those guys to be up at the top. But, you know, to your point, uh, I just, I hope that we see some more authenticity. And for crying out loud, my only only advice to the drivers is just be your damn self. And there are a few drivers that do. And I'm not, here again, I'm not going to mention any names for this reason. There are a few drivers that, I guess I'll just be blunt about it. They can say whatever the hell they want yeah. because they don't really have the the sponsors that are going to call them. Are you going to call them their dad and say, "Hey, <laughs> you can't be saying that"? But but you know, you have to you have to look at at the the effect that that has, and those just so happen to be the most interesting guys. And um, you know, for anyone that doesn't know, look at some of the producer they'll get bombarded with phone calls from the from the, the PR person of a team. Hey, how come you didn't interview this guy? Or how come you didn't interview our driver? They just made a good run. Well, guys, I hate to hurt your feelings, but why in the hell don't you have them do their homework so they're a little more interesting? Because what the producer has to produce is the best show possible, something that's entertaining, that's interesting. So why on earth... How can we go to the same well over and over and over again? So that's the importance of drivers just being themselves. Not everyone is going to be a John Forrest. and for Christ's sake, quit using and plagiarizing the terms that he uses. There's only one John Forrest. There will only always be one John Forrest. Just be original. And if it's if if you're not going to you know set the set the strip on fire with your interview. At least it'll be authentic. At least it'll be genuine. And I, I, to your point, I wish I have the same thing on my wish list.
2: Kevin, ah, so so we can now set the uh, the rant meter to one uh, in 2023 <laughs> for Tony. <laughs> well, well, well done. <laughs> but but to, to his to his point, yeah, I agree. You, you could definitely see more color out of some drivers. More, than, but uh, it needs to be done for a reason and not just for the sake of, of ranting and raving. Um, you know, yes, th- there are real rivalries out here that th- they need to be brought to light. Uh, I think th- there, it would be nice to see drivers come out and say what's on their mind with, without fear. Um, you know, again, y- you need to be, I think, you know, reasonable and somewhat respectful about yeah. what you say. But yeah, if you have something to say uh, out with it and, and that is what, will obviously drive more fans to this sport. You know, we've seen a lot of growth over the last four or five years. Uh, we're going to need to do these things in order for that to continue. And, you know, we've had this discussion on the show before about, you know, a Formula One style reality show. Well, I think it would be wonderful, but in order for that to happen, uh, some mentalities are going to have to change yes, where, yes, uh, you know, y- you can't be hurt by every little thing. Uh, sometimes you're going to get called out for either driving mistakes or uh, other things. And uh, and you know,
0: to your point, Kevin, you, and you yeah. have to be willing to to show the world a couple of warts every once in a while, too.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a, a little thicker skin here would go a long way.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it would be fascinating because, you know, so and, and I'm not saying this to be like, well, so few people understand because people get angry when I say that. But but the reality is. The, the, the inner workings, the machinations of these teams, we understand them because we're in it every single week, and, and we cannot accurately tell people, other than saying, man, they work really hard, or they do this, they do that, like, the illustration of what these pro drag racing teams actually are, Kevin, would blow people's minds, and that goes beyond even just the normal fan. Like, there are racers out there and other, other aspects of this sport that would be gobsmacked to see what an actual professional drag racing team looks like on a week-to-week basis.
2: Yes, yeah, so yeah, for, for sure. I mean, there's a part of me that thinks uh, it would be great to, uh, you know, highlight the alcohol dragster class for once and look at the personalities in there. Uh, you could argue that some of them would probably do a much better job of being, yes. I don't want to say controversial, but being colorful, being entertaining, than, than some of the current pros. Um, you know so again the point is these people are out here we just need to find them get their stories out and let them be who they are
0: you know kevin do you, do you think and i agree with your point actually it's a great point that i never really considered before but now that i'm thinking about it to the alcohol point it's like there seems to be a level of grit left there that maybe doesn't exist right now in the in the pro full-on pro ranks and i mean that in terms of I'm, and to use the word hard scrabble is is terrible because I don't mean hard scrabble, but it is it is a more hard scrabble way to race than a pro level team in terms of what budgetary stuff is and everything else. I'm not saying everybody's rolling up in a you know 1972 Chevy Dually, but what I am saying is that there is a, a kind of a level of grit and determination in those alcohol cars that is that has been um, evolved past let's say in the in the Top Fuel and Nitro Funny Car ranks.
2: Yeah, sure. There is. And, and, you know, if you're looking for uh, the catalyst that makes that happen, it's probably Tony Stewart, you know, I mean, right now, right now Tony is the happiest guy in the pits. He, he just, he's, this is still sort of a new toy to him. Yeah. Uh, He loves it. But, but I think once you see him run more races and we're, we're we're 99% sure he's going to um, the competitive part of him is going to take over and he he's, you know, he's going to want to win and, you know, losses like the one he took in the final in Vegas probably won't set so well. And, you know, that might be the guy that, that steps out and says what's on his mind and maybe sort of triggers something in the rest of them that says, you know, you, you can say what you're thinking and do so without fear of retribution. And we will all be better for it.
0: Yeah, no, I agree, and I, and I to your point on the on Stewart's deal in Vegas, that's the mulligan, right? You get one of those with him. After that, it's not going to be so much uh, so much smiling at the top end. The novelty of a of a what two ten thousands one inch loss is uh, is a is a is literally a novelty. It's a one shot deal, and you know, Tony, when we talk about you know potentially who's got the who's got the chops to even to kind of lean into this, you know, there are a bunch of drivers out there that that we know when the camera's not on are snarky and they're funny and they they will they will reel off some stuff but for whatever reason it is it is some sort of paralysis that comes on when the camera turns on. <laughs> it's called the deer and headlights effect. And <laughs> you know to your point Kevin you know what changes the game are
1: sponsors and and you know one level of racing and and ratcheting that up to a couple levels of racing. And this is the beauty of doing your homework, of working with someone. And, you know, all these teams, all these pro teams have PR people. And for the life of me, I'm going to put some of the blame on them because, um, you know, Brian, I think it was at the Winter Nationals last year, uh, you and I and Steve, we had a conversation with, with Mike Ashley. It was just, you know, we were visiting with some teams, which is what the producer does to just stay connected, stay in sync with everyone. Uh, on on the TV side, and you know we we mentioned a few things that might help Justin. And for for crying out loud, we saw it like instant results, and yeah. that yeah. that just goes to show you that you know we shared some information. You know, instead of getting offended, he's he's young enough, and I think he's ambitious enough and has a desire to be better. Every driver wants to drive better and and perform better. But I mean, don't you want to get out of your car and represent your sponsor better and say something different and say something that the VP of marketing that that signed off or the vice president of the company for crying out loud watches and proves in that day and says, We got the right guy. That's that should be a good feeling, but that is the beauty of doing your homework. And while everyone's on their practice tree, I would just recommend that they watch a few of their interviews, they listen to themselves they hear what they're saying, how they're saying it, and, and, and rehearse, uh, practice. Do it over and over. Swim yourself if you have to, but that's, that's what it takes. I mean, they'll practice on that Christmas tree all day long, and then they'll go out there and have a 120 light. How good does that do you? But if you can, if you can spit out a good, a good interview, that ain't so bad. We'll, we'll interview you again for crying out loud, but you know, there you have it.
0: Tony, what else you got in the wish list?
1: Well, I think car counts. Yeah. You know, I think there's 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 such it has such a positive effect on our sport on every pro category, and it starts with qualifying shows. You know, if we have more cars, and I I went back to look at an average of how much better the quality of cars are, we see, uh, you know, cars that that were three tenths of a second a plus off of the pace, and now they're running in the in top fuel, they're running 380s, mid-380s. They're pushing to get into the low 380s. And there are several teams that have made good progress. But when we have more cars, more volume, and I know there's, there's a lot that has to happen, but, you know, one of the things that NHRA did, and, you know, I've heard some mostly why did they change it? Why not the Winter Nationals? Well, that's a cost-saving measure. I mean, those are the tough decisions that the NHRA – management has to make because they listen to the teams and, yes. and we know that they're not saving too much cost on the racetrack because we're already talking about 20 or 30 runs that these teams will be making, but you look at the logistics and, and people will get used to it. They'll adapt. I mean, I, I'm from Southern California. The Winter Nationals, well, it's not really going away. It's still called the Winter Nationals. We're just going to Gainesville first. So, so Car Count, I think, is something that It it helps the competition. And the other effect that it has is we will continue to see if we have good car counts, if we have full fields and beyond, we'll see some of those good first round pairings that are not that predictable. Because we saw so many times that there were 18 cars, 19 cars, let alone more than that, competing for 16 spots. and. You know, we would see not one, but maybe two or three good first rounds where we saw a top five or maybe a top eight driver that really didn't qualify in the top half. So that pitted them against a good car, a good team. And that just, you know, better qualifying shows, uh, more drama. And, you know, again, we're talking TV, and people just love the drama. So that's one of the things on my list.
0: Kevin, give me one more off the list, and then I got a question we're going to ask both of you. So give me one more off your head list.
2: Uh, I need to see a real live running driving factory X car. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Uh, and 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 I believe we will. You know, sooner rather than later. I'm not sure about Gainesville. You know, it might be closer to to May June. We know they're out there. We know they're being finished. Uh, we got to see Jeff Turk's Challenger at at the uh, NHRA booth at PRI.
0: And man, how many and millions of people stopped and looked at that thing? I mean, it was swarmed all weekend.
2: Yeah, and, and, and if you believe, um, Jeff, which I have no reason not to, that that is a, a 670, 200-mile-an-hour car um, that looks like a real car, that drives like a real car, it's it's everything that the fans have asked for uh, for, for, for more than a decade. You know, they, they bash pro stock because it's all GM cars. They They say they don't look like real cars. They don't use current technology. Well, you've addressed all those things in Factory X. Um, and we know that there are, I don't know, twenty to twenty-five of them in the works. Um, so let's hurry up and get to that spot where it doesn't even have to be twenty to twenty-five. Give me five or six that are running where we can have <laughs> right. a nice, ex- where we can have a nice yeah. exhibition race, and let's do it. And let's see uh, what the fan reaction is. And I have no reason to think it won't be overwhelmingly positive. They won't fall in love with this new class and. You know, you've got something that, you know, potentially could, uh, you know, bring more excitement to the class than anything we've seen since the 70s.
0: Yeah, it does. It has all the it has all the bones, the foundation of what that category is and the excitement we saw of people physically uh, being able to look at the first one of the cars, even though it wasn't even fully completed yet. uh, To be able to look at Jeff Turk's car, PRI was a big deal. So this is the question I'm going to pose to both of you. And this is not like who you think is going to be the next first-time winner in 2023. This is the question of who you want to be the next first-time winner in any professional category in 2023. Tony, give me a pick here. If you're looking at the racers from Pro Stock Bike to Top Fuel, who is the one racer that you want to see become a first-time winner in 2023?
1: Well, uh, let me give that a little bit of thought. Uh, so it, it'll be a driver or a rider that has never won a national event. Yep. Um, okay. Well, that could be that could be real easy. Uh, Devin, do you have someone off the top of your head? Because I'm
2: I'm trying to process this just so I and listen. If you guys way.
0: if you guys want a second, I'll give you mine first. If you want to, if no, you,
2: go no, no, no. I'll, I'll, I'll I'll go. Um, j- you know, and again, this is just a personal thing. It might take a little luck. I would absolutely love to see Krista Baldwin win a national event. The top-end celebration w- would go on for for months.
0: <laughs> it's true. It's true. She had an incredible weekend of Pomona, getting, getting, you know, winning, going arounds and then of course getting engaged at the top end uh, with the the colors of her dad's car, the, the 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 kind of throwback Bobby Baldwin scheme on there. Yeah, no, it was a, it was one of the great uh, probably moments of her entire life, and and I'm with you, Kevin. That would be that would be a great uh, great scene. And, and
2: and and if you give me a second pick, yeah. I, I would love to see um one of the Quadra Brothers win. Yep. Um, just because I think. You know, NHRA should continue to hopefully become more of an international sport. Yeah, Um, it was was actually one of the other things I had on my list to see. Hopefully, more Europeans and more Australians come over and race. You know, now that we appear to be through COVID, you know, uh, hopefully, you know, we in in the past we've had a pretty good history of, of you know racers come over and make a you know a few appearances here or there. I would love to see that become more of a thing. But back to the thing, I think. You know, you look at the fan base that the Quadras could potentially bring um, with with the fan, you know, being from Mexico. Uh, I, I just think there's a lot of positives there. We know that the, their company, you know, Corral Boots, is going to be much more active this year. Uh, and it would just be good for Pro Stock to see some new winners.
0: And look, we got uh, Tucker's coming back full-time this year in Pro Stock, so you're going to have your, uh, you know, your kind of Australian uh, premier kind of flag waver there. And the, the it would be, I would have to imagine, if and when it does happen, and, and to your point in the Quadra family, they race with such heart and soul, you got to love the guys. I mean, they, they're they're impossible to dislike. Um, mm-hmm. You'd have to imagine that that would that would register pretty well in the country of Mexico if and when they pull off their first national event win.
1: Oh, for, for, for I'm, sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with you on this one, Kevin. But I'm gonna put a little. I'm gonna put my own twist on it. I'm gonna say Fernando Senior. Ooh, how, how cool! How cool would that be if he won? before any of his sons um and and i'd be interested to see what they actually buy for him but you know if i had to, if i had to pick an honorable mention for me it, and, and it would be the mystery person that is going to be on the Vanson and heinz bike that is replacing angel i think that the first race that that person wins uh i just think it's going to be a big moment i think it's going to be a big deal uh, and the question is, is how long will that take? I mean, they've got some pretty tough competition, but you know, like you, Brian and Kevin mentioned, whoever it is. And I've heard, I think I have an idea of who it is. Uh, they, they may or may not go, they're going to go through a learning process. And, and even if they win early, they're still going to go through a learning process. They're going to have to experience what pressure feels like, it, but, you know, we've we've seen some young drivers, and you can go back in the history of this sport. Or some are just up for the challenge, and they just win. And not all of them take those tough knocks that you know that some have gone through. So uh, I think that person is is going to feel right at home, and I don't think it's going to take long for them to win.
2: No, you know, and you look you look you look at their history, and uh, you know go go back to when they brought Eddie Kraylock on. You know, here's a guy who didn't have a lot of experience. Took him. You know, he won a championship before he won a race. A bit of anomaly, but obviously he's gone on to win four championships. So clearly they made the right choice there. And I think you're dealing with someone that probably has uh, an equal amount of potential. So it would actually shock me uh, if uh, there wasn't if if both of those bikes didn't win at least a couple races this year.
0: And for me, it's Bobby Bodie. I gotta see. I gotta see Bobby Bodie win a race. I mean, it was it was it was not in hand per se in Houston, but it was looking pretty good for him before the uh, you know before the motor backfired and it threw the body into the stratosphere. But you know, I just love. I love the way those guys race. I love the fact that uh, we've watched the team certainly evolve over the last few years. I love the fact that he is as involved in in understanding how the car works and how the motor works and how everything works. And I love the fact that uh, he seems to always be genuinely having a pretty damn good time, except when he's on fire in the funny car. So I think it would be great. (laughs) To me, it would be great to see that kid win a race.
1: Well, to their credit, they have they have something special with that combination on that car. When you break down the numbers uh, and it's only really made it to the finish line a handful of times. I don't know if it's depth or maybe some fine tuning in the fuel system with whatever they're doing, however they're running the car. But when you look at that car's performance to the eighth mile, it'll pretty much run with anyone. So that, that is a realistic, um, that is a realistic scenario there that those guys, if they could put, Four of them together, or maybe three, and get a catch a break in between, uh, because the car does run so good early. Yeah. Sometimes it'll, it'll, it'll make an opponent press, and, and sometimes when you have that kind of performance, you can uh, you can make your opponent make mistakes.
0: Kevin, take us home here, man. What's what should we be looking for on NHRA.com over the next couple of weeks?
2: Uh, well, we're gearing up for uh, obviously the new season, which. You know, it seems like Gainesville's a long way off, but it's going to be here before you know it. Um, you know, we're now that the teams are back, we're going to try to round up any, any breaking news. Um, it's actually, it's been a little slower than I would have thought um, as far as team changes and things like that. But I think you've got some things in, in the in the pipeline coming. Uh, and then we're, we're already working on the first issue of National Dragster, which is also the fan guide. So, uh, you know, th- that will be out uh, in advance of, of Gainesville and, You know, in that, we'll also look ahead to uh, some of the testing sessions. You know, we we know that there's probably two or three of them in Florida, plus the teams that, uh, for whatever reason, want to go out west. Um, So, so yeah, I think the, the wheels are about to get turning here pretty quickly.
0: Well, fellas, thank you for helping to kick this year off right. Glad we got all this stuff out and on the table, and uh, we'll be checking in periodically through this offseason. Going to catch up with some drivers next week. But uh, both of you guys be good, and uh, have fun over these first couple of weeks in January as we get everything uh, starting to pound the ground again.
1: Thanks for having us, Brian. Talk to you guys soon. Yeah, Sounds good. We'll uh, talk soon.
0: And that's going to bring us to the end of this first podcast of the 2023 NHRA Camping World Drag Racing Series season. It is going to be great all year long, and I look forward to bringing you the stories from inside the sport, both with our insiders like Kevin and Tony and with the drivers and personalities that make up the world of NHRA professional level drag racing, Lucas Oil Drag Racing, as well as the NHRA FuelTech Pro Modified Series and more It is going to be a great year in 23, and we're off to a flying start. We'll be back next week with more insight, more inside information, more breaking news, and a couple of drivers and personalities for you to listen to. Thanks for listening. I'm Brian Loans. I'll see you again next week.